This podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at cyphercast.net and follow us on Twitter at cyphercast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we'll be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing, All You Are is Mine to Use. We'll be doing an overview of teratology now that this book is available in PDF and physical copies are manifesting in shadow. Join us on the path of suns and you may discover a secret or two. When we cast All You Are Is Mine To Use, we discuss the books and other releases for our Invisible Sun games. This time, we'll discuss uh, Teratology, the recently released uh, book for Invisible Sun that focuses on the creatures of various suns. In the Kickstarter campaign, this was uh, mostly described as being the monster book, the book of creatures for Invisible Sun, though I was surprised at what the actual balance of content was in the book. I think it is broader than I had anticipated. So I think it's useful to talk about what all is included uh, because it is not a simple monster manual for this game. Um, It includes much more than that. I think before we get into that, Scott, I have the most important question for you. Okay. Is it a bestiary or is it a bestiary? (laughs) Um. I have heard arguments on both sides, and I I don't I don't spend a lot of time uh, or brain cycles trying to figure out the c- contemporary pronunciation of archaic terms. Dude, like if we're going to continue this show, you need to tell me which one you back. I I think Bestiary has the best argument. Oh no, no, I don't want to do the show anymore. Then <laughs> too bad you you're in it. Teratology is a lot broader in scope than I was expecting. And I've got to say, I've been using the playtest documents for it for months because uh, a couple things that I really wanted in my game was more monsters. And the other thing I really wanted from this book that I didn't realize was going to be in it was all the information about the suns that it comes with. Right. As I was not not expecting to have more locations and we'll get get to what all is included but there is a lot more than simply creatures in this book the book starts with a general discussion of entities of the actuality and in a lot of books this is either filler or not particularly interesting information but here there's a lot of advice about how to use entities of various kinds in your invisible sun games Uh, it is similar to the advice from the Secrets of Silent Streets in that it says, uh, don't worry so much about specific rules, uh, worry more about the feel of creatures, worry about giving each creature a unique identity and um, allow them to do interesting things. Uh, So focus more on story than on the correctness of a balanced stat block or things like that. But it goes well beyond the advice in Secrets of Silent Streets by providing tons and tons of abilities uh, including novel attack abilities, defense abilities, and utility abilities uh, that uh, certainly don't cover all of the possibilities because one couldn't, uh, but give you a, a sense of the scope of what different creatures can do uh, to spur your imagination to add even more abilities to this list. 
Yeah, this, this goes along the lines of what I had talked to Monty about at GameholeCon. I, I got the opportunity to like sit down with him and, and chat with him about things. Uh, a lot of it was about Invisible Sun. And one of the questions I had posed to him was, once your players are able to hit really high levels uh, on their ventures, what is going to stop them from just rolling over, I guess, gods in this game? Uh, and the advice that he gave me then falls right in line with the advice that's in this section of the book. It's it's about presenting the players with you know different problems that they have to solve other than just hitting a big number. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, um, the next section of this book, after all those really cool ideas for abilities, is increasing the challenge posed by other entities. And instead of just making their numbers bigger, the advice is twist how the players interact with these characters. So instead of just rolling a 15, instead, perhaps this NPC can only be affected by spells that are cast by somebody who's holding a flower from the green sun. Right. And this is this runs contrary to a lot of advice in RPGs because this game is different, um, though it is in kind of in scope for a lot of mythology and fairy tales. So often the design advice in RPGs is uh, don't have defenses that negate attacks because players really like their attacks. If you negate their attacks, you've invalidated all the investment they've made in those abilities. And so it's very frustrating. And that's still good to keep in mind. However, when you're trying to emphasize surreality and evoke something closer to fairy tales, a lot of fairy tales have this notion that it doesn't matter how hard you hit this creature, they're basically invulnerable. You have to find the weakness that will allow you to affect that creature. And so this kind of radical asymmetry of their power, that it's not just a matter of building your venture high enough, but instead knowing how to affect these mysterious creatures, I think fits within the tone of the game. Uh, But players do need to be aware of that. They can't have an expectation that they're just going to keep pouring uh, their uh, uh, investment into skills and uh, spell levels, and that that's going to solve all of their problems. They need to understand from the beginning that uh, some of the creatures will depend more on your research and your understanding of their abilities than they will uh, how good that D10 comes up for you. But going along with that, it's still going to come down to the characters utilizing their abilities and their power and their tools to go and solve those problems that ultimately resolve the issue that they have with the NPC in question. Like they still get to use all their stuff and they just have to come at the problem in a way that's not as direct. Yeah. It turns it more into, or at least a larger component of the game becomes investigation than combat. Right. You would not expect a, an invisible sun session to be run like a series of orc and pie rooms where every room is just new monster with new treasure, slay the monster, take the treasure, move to next room, slay the monster, take the treasure. Instead, uh, and this is reflected in what we've seen with the Gen Con uh, adventure, as well as uh, the example adventures in the Secrets of Silent Streets and the directed campaign. Investigation is a big part of this. It's not just traditional investigation. It's also research and magical exploration are intended to be a huge part of the game. Now, your table can vary a bit, and if you want to emphasize the straight combat components, 
this game can, can can support that, but understand that your players will like will rapidly become uh, quite adept at doing raw damage to creatures that don't have special defenses. Yeah, we're we're a handful of sessions in at this point. I I want to say we're about a dozen or so sessions in, and the characters at my table are very capable of taking down any sort of mundane creature that's, you know, level eight or nine without much of a problem. Because mm-hmm. recall that with adventure, you're going to be building up. You can add in all your skill points that you can buy the level of all of your spells, you have built up your pool. And I think the the advancement curve on resources is fairly shallow. You aren't gaining a lot of resources with every mm-hmm. uh, advancement, but uh, with all of the spells and everything, you, you do get powerful relatively quickly. Yeah. And more than anything, and players learn how to use these abilities and build their ventures better. Yeah, and if they're prepared for a fight and they've got a maker, that maker can easily build a few items uh, that they can give to the other players that will really boost their capabilities just when it comes to rolling dice for hitting with a weapon. Right. And quickly you find that two levels of, of a skill with a weapon and a level two weapon, you're starting your venture at four. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're already at 50, 50 chance of hitting a level nine creature. Yeah. And let's say you had a maker who's better at, uh, making than they were at the start of your campaign, and they can make you know level four, level five uh, objects of power without much much of an issue. And suddenly, you're already hitting level seven and eight creatures automatically. I guess I shouldn't say objects of power because that would suggest that their depletion is zero, or yeah. actually no depletion. Yep. Uh, so after the increasing the challenge posed by entities, we have another really cool section that I'm going to be referring to quite often. And that's uh, example angels and demons of varying levels. Yeah, I was really impressed with this section. It was fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I haven't read through it completely. I just saw, oh, there there are levels, what, one through at least nine. I'm sure there are higher level entities in there. But great, I have a Goetic at the table. And now whenever I'm at a loss for a name or an interesting description. Like I'm just going to pull this out and I'm going to just point at, you know, a random name in this list and say, all right, here's the angel or the demon that we're going to be dealing with right now. And the descriptions are clearly written for Goetics because in addition to a, a name and a physical description, there's a discussion of the domain of interest for the Ooh. entity, as well as the sort of materials they might want to bargain for. That is even more fun. <laughs> so this, it's a great list. And so already this was not stuff that I expected from Teratology, but was quite pleased to find. Yeah, this book is this book is really good. <laughs> uh, the core of the book is a tour of each of the suns and the dark with a uh, description of each sun and its tone, a s- series of locations for that sun, and then the creatures that are you will most often si- find in that sun. Uh, I think we're we're glossing over the fact that after the locations, there are some. Are there NPCs for each of these things, or is it, or is it just dive straight into creatures? Uh, the well, in, in sequence, the creatures are the NPCs with longer write-ups, including often first-person narratives from the perspective of the NPCs comes after the creatures, I think. Yeah, I think so. So it, Major it, creatures say, and entities, that's what it is, yeah. 
you get simple creatures and entities and then major ones, which would be your, you know, bigger NPC sort of people. All right. So it's all of these things. It's not just uh, a, a whole bunch of level five demons uh, from the, from the red sun. It is a diverse set of creatures and uh, NPCs with extensive write-ups uh, as well as locations, new locations and some more uh, overview of the suns themselves. Now each chapter is not the same length. So some uh, the chapter on Indigo is much longer than the others. Um, some of the other suns, I think, uh, I forgot. Uh, the Gray Sun is very short. Right. Uh, so it's not evenly divided across the suns, but it's also likely that our adventures are not going to be evenly divided across the suns either. The suns where you expect there will be the most use. I'm thinking Indigo, Green, and Red uh, are, I think, the longest. But there's coverage of all of them, including uh, uh, a more generous coverage of blue than I would expect it under this system. Uh, so there's there's a lot there. And it's, again, not just creatures then. It's not just a monster manual. It is It has an element of uh, setting material as well. And it's setting material for the different suns, which with the core books, we don't have a whole lot when it comes to the other suns. Each of the suns gets, you know, two, three, four pages or so in, what was it, the gate? Um, or the okay. path, man. Uh, yeah, so we get we get a few pages on each of the suns in the path, but yeah, I would say that the core books are really focused on Saturnine and Indigo itself, and the other suns are kind of left up to your interpretation. There are some ideas and some suggestions, uh, but I I think that the amount of content that we get with Teratology is really helpful when your when your characters start traveling out on the path. So yeah, we, we might talk about individual creatures or individual suns uh, and their inhabitants later. Uh, there's also a section on creatures that may be found anywhere uh, under the invisible sun section, because these are, they may appear in any particular sun or are themed around traveling across suns. That section, as you might guess, has more NPCs uh, by proportion than simple creatures. Yeah, this is that's one of the pages or chapters that I'm probably going to read through most of it because I'm I'm very curious about you know what shows up from the invisible sun, which is the source of all magic, and you don't really travel there. It so notes I'm, I'm that, it, that it is not a place really, and so that that this that it, it that chapter is different. It notes that it's not a place where you will find these creatures, but instead. Uh, it is a this section is about creatures and NPCs that are intimately connected to the, the the basis of magic and will therefore span various suns. And there's a lot more yeah. NPCs there again by proportion. This is followed by a, a really nice series of of indices that mm -hmm. will have entities by sun and by level and by type. The type organization I find really interesting. I hadn't really thought about the types of creatures, but I, I think, you know, this organization gives you an idea of here's kind of an overview of all the different sorts of things that you're going to find in this game. Mm -hmm. So if, if you fun. remember the name of the creature, you can use that first index and that, that's useful. But if you know the level of something you want, but don't have any ideas, you can use the level chart and it's handy for that as a very different purpose. And then type, similarly, if you know you want a demon or you want an angel, but you're not quite sure which one you want, you can go to the type index and see the list there. 
So each of these indices has a different purpose. Um, and I, I was happy to see these different types of indices present in the back. Yeah. What if, what if you need a virus? What if you need a, something that deals with mirrors? Like <laughs> it's in there. Yes, and those the, the types also are not evenly are, are creatures are not evenly distributed across type. I think virus had exactly one entity. Um, yep. So now I'm waiting for officially requesting the Invisible Sun virus book. That is oh, all that virus type creatures. That would that would be a lot of fun. But I have no illusions it will actually happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it, it shows where yeah, there's a lot more demons, a lot more angels um, than some of the other entities, and some of the entities don't really have a, a type. And so don't appear on that particular index. Um, mm. So you could imagine you're creating your own list of dream entities or something along those lines. Cool. So uh, how are we going to use this book? Um, I feel like, like we've kind of used it or explained how we're going to use it. Yeah, It's a resource much like Secrets of the Silent Streets where you don't, you know, it's not something you read from start to finish, put down and you're done. It is a reference book. So it's useful to flip through and read what catches your attention, know mm -hmm. what's there so that you can draw from it when you need, you know, you're going to be going to the blue sun. So, Hey, let's go grab some creatures from the blue sun section before our next uh, session, just in case they become useful. And maybe over time you read all of it, but you don't need to worry about it reading it like you would uh, the key where it's a sort of start to finish. Yeah. And that's definitely how I'm going to be approaching it. Like I'm going to go through, I'm going to find, I'm going to, probably look for the entries on pages that have cool looking pictures. I'll probably read the entries for things that have interesting names. Uh, other than that, uh, I'll probably touch on, mm, what do I have to worry about? Where are my players heading? Like once they decide they're going to the silver sun, then I'm going to read through that and get a better idea of what can, what's the silver sun going to be like? What are they going to run into there? What are the locations? Because, oh man, there are locations in this book that give me a whole lot more context to work with when it comes to, you know, telling my players what the Silver Sun is like. And all this stuff just sort of, I'm going to use all this to bring it together and say, like, you're in the Silver Sun and you see these sorts of things and these people and these places. And it's, it's nice having all of that uh, with Teratology. Yeah, I would recommend on your first pass, read that first introductory section because it has really good advice just for running the game. And then read only the intro sections for each of the sons. Just for the, on that first pass, then decide, oh, I'm going to be, I really want to learn more about this son or that son. Then read the locations and just randomly sample creatures out of the back um, for the sons you anticipate visiting in your next few sessions and explore the book uh, in that way. That is good advice, and I'm going to take it. <laughs> Any other comments on Teratology? Um, no, but we should definitely dig into some of the suns as we're uh, going forward and looking for show ideas. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me 
at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, it really helps us out. Uh, we also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. Uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and ha help people find us.